I love the 1970s sitcom The Good Life. And one of my favourite episodes is the one in which Tom and Barbara are persuaded by their neighbours Margot and Jerry to spend a weekend in a luxury Mayfair flat. And Margot and Jerry say they'll take care of everything that's going on at Tom and Barbara's, all the animals, all the plants, whilst they're gone. But Tom and Barbara struggle to trust them with it. They struggle to relax and they start dreaming up all sorts of disasters that are happening back at their house and end up rushing back to check. Most of us have trouble committing anything that matters to us into someone else's hands. Perhaps the more important something is, the uh, harder it is to entrust it. You have those parents who leave their child with a babysitter for the first time and try to have that first date night, only to find themselves ringing home every five minutes just to check that everything's okay. Or if someone said to you that they would trust you with their last tenor, that's high praise indeed. But here we see Jesus entrust far more to his father than his last tenor. This is his life, down to the very last breath. And what is more important than life itself? And yet, as he breathes his last, Jesus says one last prayer. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Over Lent, we have been working through a series based on the sayings Jesus makes from the cross. And tonight we turn to the last words that Luke records Jesus speaking. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Tonight's the night when we remember Jesus praying in Gethsemane. We recall the anguished words that he prayed there. Thinking of what lay ahead of him the next day. Jesus sweat drops of blood and prayed, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. And yet, not what I will, but you will be done. And the Gospels, and Luke's Gospel in particular, recall how at every significant moment in Jesus' ministry, he withdraws to pray, to commit himself to God. And yet again, this is where we find him. In Gethsemane, as Jesus prepares for the work he will complete on Good Friday, he commits himself into the hands of God. And then in tonight's passage, spoken at the end of that torment, in what are considered to be his very last words, at least according to Luke, Jesus does the same thing. He commits himself into the hands of God. Growing up in Belfast, I was surrounded by any number of churches. And quite often they would have Bible text emblazoned on notice boards outside the church. And many of them were the kind of hard-hitting variety. And one example was taken from the book of Hebrews. 
In King James, in King James speak, it was said, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And it was designed as a warning to anyone who would pass by, who tried to live life without faith in God. Well, it may well be a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But it takes guts to place, to entrust, to commit ourselves into those hands. After all, if we offer our lives to God, who knows what he's going to do with it? Will God want the same things I do? Will God share my priorities? I mean, I'm often asked how I wind up doing what I do. And I always point out near the start of that story that when I started going back to church towards my 30s, I, I only joined really on the proviso that I didn't have to get involved. And well, that worked out well, didn't it? If the phrase never say never was ever appropriate, it's appropriate for those who seek to follow Jesus. William Willimon, whose book, Thank God It's Friday, has shipped a lot of what I've said over these last few weeks, uh, comments that when we place our lives into the hands of God, the only reassurance that God gives us that he will allow nothing worse to happen to us than he allowed to happen to his only son. And then he adds, does that make you feel better? Or I've quoted the prayer before to you from Teresa of Avila, where she said, God, if this is how you treat all your friends, it's no wonder you have so few. One reason why I think we find it so hard to commit ourselves into the hands of God is that actually we want the control. We want to feel like we're going somewhere, that things are working, that we're getting results. And I'm well aware of this in my own life, and I don't think I'm alone. If you go to your average Christian bookshop, you'll find no shortage of five key principles for this or seven laws for that. And so if we follow this programme, then X will happen. And I'm not saying there's any, there's no truth in any of that. I mean, if you want your life to count for nothing, the best thing you can do is just do nothing. But so often the trust that we place is placed in the programme rather than committing ourselves and what we do and what we are into God whom Jesus taught us to call Father. Because God works to an altogether different timescale. I can remember once a number of years back at the start of Advent opening the worship with a reading which spoke of this season of waiting of Sarah waiting 90 years for a son to fulfil God's promise, of Moses and Israel waiting 40 years in a wilderness, of prophets waiting a thousand years, and on and on it went. And after the service, someone came to me and remarked on the reflection with which I'd started and said to me, honestly, I just thought, God, I can't wait that long. When we commit ourselves, our spirits into God's hands, we are not even guaranteed that we are going to fully see what he does with it. It's the story of much of the Bible. Abraham sets out, he commits himself into the hands of God and he doesn't even know where he's going. 
And he never sees the end of the story. Hebrews 11 is a roll call of those who, for all their faults and failings, are held up as heroes of the faith and were commended for it. Yet it concludes that none of them received what was promised. None of them saw the end. That still led ahead, lay ahead into the future when they will receive it with us. And we might say it's much the same for Jesus. Because Jesus is committing his all that he is and all that he's done into the hands of God at this moment. It's not when the 5,000 people are calling on him to be their king. It's not when the disciples are being wowed that he's silenced the wind and the waves. And they're saying, who is this? And even the wind and waves obey him. It's not even when the crowds are waving their branches and along the road into Jerusalem and shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, Jesus says these words when they've called for him to be crucified and they've got their wish. When he's bloodied and bruised, when he's alone, deserted, rejected, Betrayed, abandoned. Jesus says these words when he has nothing left to offer but his spirit. It's then, that moment, that he places the significance of all that he has done and the purpose of his whole life and work into the hands of God even as the darkness of death descends on him. He takes all that he has, all that he is, all that he has said and done and been, and he placed it into the hands of the creative father and the resourceful spirit to make of it what they will, to fill it with the meaning and purpose for which God had sent Jesus into the world. God hadn't spared him, but he had given him up for us all. But I want you to note the spirit in which Jesus says this. It's one thing to turn it all over to God when it's gone horribly, horribly wrong. And we can see no other way out of it. But that's not what's going on here. This isn't, well, a sense of, well, I've done what I can. You're just going to have to make the best of this. You know, you're going to have to sort this out, God. No, no, that's not what's happening here. These words, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus isn't the first person to say these words. They were part of his prayer book. They were part of Psalm 31. These were words that Jewish parents taught their children to pray when they went to sleep. It was like the Jewish equivalent of that prayer I was taught as a child. Now I lay me down to sleep. And the only difference is that Jesus adds a very intimate word, Father, to the front of it. Jesus not only commits himself to the God whom he calls Father. He commits himself to that God, trusting Absolutely, that God will make good all that he has sent Jesus to do. So this isn't the cry of a victim. 
In those last 12 hours, Jesus has been beaten, he's been bound, he's been whipped, he's been slapped, he's been scarred, he's been humiliated, he's been mocked and violated. He's been hung out like a piece of meat. And the torture was designed to make the victim an image of inaction and acquiescence. But at precisely that moment, Jesus takes control. Jesus spoke to his disciples to not fear those who could kill the body but couldn't touch the soul. And here he just actively takes his life out of the hands of his tormentors. It's not into the hands of those that, who would kill him that he commits his spirit. It's into the hands of God, that God alone will decide the significance of the cross. Jesus' life isn't taken from him. He simply gives it back to the God from whom it came. As in life, so in death. In the last significant moment of his ministry, entering the darkness of night or or death, Jesus commits himself to the Father, confident that the Father who had brought him thus far would not abandon him now. Confident that the Father who had brought him to this point would complete his plans and purposes. And yes, it was taking him into the darkness of death, but as he told his disciples that night, he was going there to prepare the way for them for you, for me, so that when we enter that darkness, he can meet us there and he can say, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I'm the one who holds the keys of death and hell. And because of that, this has been the parting prayer of so many people down through the ages. But it wasn't just the prayer of Jesus' death. It was the prayer of his life. And we are invited to pray it with him, confidently, knowing that whatever befalls us, ours is a God who has gone there before us and can be trusted with all that we have and all that we are. Grace and peace to you. Amen.